Welcome to Food Freedom Radio, where we plant, nourish, and harvest the seeds of change. I'm Laura Hedlund, a student of permaculture, a person who believes in the donut economic theory, the economic donut theory. We're going to get more into that. And a person who really wants to hear a repeat of the weather forecast. Eric, what's happening? <laughs> yeah, it looks like it's warming up. Uh, today's 50s, tomorrow 60s, but it shouldn't go below freezing again, I don't think. Any more snow? <laughs> I don't see any coming up. Is it going to be sunny? Uh, I think so. Sunny-ish. Anyone really needs sun. <laughs> I need sun. So Kieran Olsen Johnson's not able to be here today, but in studio we have two biodynamic farmers, uh, Kelsey Love with Iralumista and Tall with Morning Dew Gardening. Uh, we are live, we, and we welcome your calls. You can call with your gardening questions, concerns. The number is 6205. So welcome to the show, uh, Tal and Kelsey. Okay, so let's start with the question. What is biodynamic agriculture? Great. So thanks for having me. Um, so biodynamic agriculture is a type of organic agriculture, but it's a lot more than that. It, um, first of all, you're trying to create a farm organism. So you're trying to create something that's living um, and it just doesn't just include the crops that you're growing, but also, you know, what the animals you have, if you have animals. And you always have at least, you know, the native animals that are around. Um, but also, you know, the wetlands that you might have nearby, um, the forests. And so you're really creating this, this organism. Um, and it's supposed to be self-sustaining. And then the second thing about biodynamics is that you're using special homeopathic preparations that are made of different herbs, and um, they're put in forces into the soil that enliven the soil. So you're working with forces rather than just this kind of NPK, how much nitrogen, potassium, phosphorus I have in my soil. So Kelsey, it's a holistic approach to being with the land? Definitely. It's, I always look at it as a closed system, and, and each farm or garden, whichever it is, has its own identity. And I think as a biodynamic farmer, we are working with forces that we can't see, and we're trying to sensitize ourselves to that and work with those in symbiosis to really, I guess, maximize what we've got, Um, whether you're working with livestock or plants or bees or whatever it may be. Um, I think Tal had a really good explanation of it. Okay, so... The land is individualized? Every system's Mm -hmm. individualized? Well, then that sounds really complicated. Yeah. Good morning. Good morning. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think um, in biodynamics, we tend to look at the the macro and the micro, and it's really hard to kind of wrap your head around it because you're looking at one small thing in front of you, and that has its own expression of what's going on right there. But it's a whole big web. So if something is going well, it, it's a sign of health for the whole system. If it's not going well and it's sick or you're having problems, something's out of balance. And I think as a biodynamic farmer or gardener, we look at that. We try to see both the, the micro and the macro. And it helps us kind of navigate, well, what's next? What is this saying? What does it need? Um, and we're just implementing it. Interesting. Yeah. And I think uh, what I'm hearing from Kelsey, too, is this idea that as a farmer, you need to be aware and conscious of what's going on. And also in biodynamics, there is there are some things that are kind of like set things. Like there's uh, these preparations I was talking about that mm-hmm. all the farmers, all biodynamic practitioners would do. And so there's this kind of basis out of which, which gives some sort of like foundation. Mm-hmm. But then in addition to that, you also, like I was saying, you have to be aware of what's going on and try to in your, in, inwardly be open to communicating with your farm organism. Like what you're telling us a story about the strawberries. Yes, yes. Okay, I'll be for the show. Okay, mm-hmm. That's an example. <laughs> Uh, busted. Okay, so I thought my strawberries talked to me once, you know. <laughs> but, okay, so because there is this, I mean, I, I think the one thing I can wrap my head around is biodynamic wines. That's something I've heard 
and, and then people can taste the difference of yeah. a living biodynamic wine and that they actually get more, that, that people like the taste of that. So is there some living life force that we can actually taste when we eat? It's that's, not all just mechanical and That's what biodynamic MPK? means, life force. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely different. Now you go for it. Well, I just want to say that just kind of as a background for biodynamics, it's uh, based on the philosophy of this Austrian philosopher named Rudolf Steiner that he died in 1925, and his what he brought to the world was uh, an idea of like, we need to renew a bunch of things in order for our planet to survive. And this was, he uh, spoke about this in 1924 when he gave the biodynamic lectures, and kind of to paraphrase, he said, we have to, we have only two choices. We either have to, we have to start over in all fields of endeavor to learn from the whole of nature, from the interrelationships within the whole cosmos, or to allow nature and humankind to die off. And that was almost 100 years ago. And so wow. biodynamics is an example of a renewal of agriculture. And then... Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about Rudolf Steiner, because, of course, um, the Waldorf schools um, um, came from his thinking. What else was he known for, this big fancy word that starts with the letter A? Anthroposophy. Oh, say that again. <laughs> Do you want me to spell it? No, I'm just kidding. No, don't make me. Um, <laughs> anthroposophy. <laughs> anthroposophy. Right. I so love more that or word, less, actually. Um, that was, I guess, Rudolf Steiner's philosophy, and so many things came from it, and biodynamics is like the agricultural part of that. And one simple way of mm -hmm. saying that word, I think, is humility to the natural world. Would you agree <laughs> with that? Sure. Yep. Okay. Cool. Okay, so let's talk about some of the principles. So the principle is a biodynamic farm is a living organism. So it's just not something, it's not like a, a it's not all disconnected. It's a living organism. Right. It's not linear. It's, you know, just put one thing and get this thing out. It's, it's a whole system. It's a network. It's a it's a whole living organism. Complex and entangled. Very much so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so biodynamic farms and gardens work to bring plants, animals, and soil together through living, conscious relationships so that they each support and balance the whole. That's the goal. <laughs> well, that sounds kind of fun. I wanted to say, too, another thing about Rudolf Steiner that's kind of related to this, and that's that he, uh, he used... He kind of he used, he was a used spiritual clairvoyance to kind of understand the world, and that's there's this foundation in biodynamics where there's a definitely a spiritual component, which people might hear that and think, oh, what the heck is is this about? But when you read his lectures, there's a definite exactitude and scientific nature to it, even though there's spiritual things that he's talking about, and so he's kind of bridging spiritual thinking, thinking, you know, kind of. Um, ancient wisdom with spiritual thinking mm -hmm. into moving forward. And, and so I also want to, so, and, and that can that can get to be, um, I mean, I, I, I'm going to, that can be so complex because everyone is different, right? So we're all on a personal path, and yet there are certain touchstones that we can reach that can help provide or that can balance the system. So we know what is a healthy system. And that's what biodynamics is about, is how to create a healthy system. And how do you know what is a healthy system? Well, many of the biodynamic farms that I visited, you can just see that it's <laughs> teeming with... I mean, there's a reason why biodynamic wine is so popular. You can mm -hmm. taste it. Mm -hmm. Cool. Okay, so, and one of the principles is that you you generate on-farm fertility, which is huge, because any gardener knows, uh, I want to go buy a uh, miracle Grow. I need fertility, I need these fertilizers, and, but what biodynamics is based on this concept of generating on-farm fertility. What does that mean? Well, um, one thing is the cow is is a big highlighted part in biodynamics. Um, that is the best, the best manure, I guess, is what I could say. It's the best manure for um, on-farm um, manure. I'm sorry. No, that's <laughs> on -farm manure, fertility. Manures, manures work for a long time. In fact, you know, yeah. <laughs> right. Albert it's very, Hubbard, 
it's that's the prized the prized on farm fertility for biodynamic farming. It's harder for gardeners, uh, especially in urban settings, to get that. Um, but even in biodynamic um, certification, I think you have to have is it fifty percent here in the states. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's really hard to be certified biodynamic, so kudos to those farmers who are, are certified here in the States. Um, I mean, in my own personal backyard, we never use fertilizer, and we get plenty of fruit. I mean, yeah. because we do have, uh, um, we, we like I have the comfrey and where it's all growing mm-hmm. and how it's mm-hmm. growing, and we put the compost in from our yards, and we u- reuse things. Right. But in the community garden, it's tough. Now, you've got a class coming up on composting, so tell us about I do. that. I do have a class next Sunday, April 29th, from 1 to 7 p.m., and it's actually a double header. A double header. Ooh. <laughs> not, Hello, only, folks. <laughs> not only will you learn about how to make biodynamic compost using ideally cow manure, but if you don't have cow manure, there's definitely other ways you could do it. But we will learn how to put in these compost preps that I was telling you about into oh. the compost pile. You guys should go. Go. If you have the day open, preps are really, okay. really fun. <laughs> All right. So it's Morning Dew Gardening where you can get the details. Morningdewgardening.com. And then the second part of the double header is in the, after a potluck dinner, we will stir the horn manure. And then you can take some home and put it on your... <sighs> On your little piece of land. Kelsey's loving this. I Kelsey's so loving come this. And I have plans. So uh, we are live. Your, the call in number is 952-946-6205. You're listening to Food Freedom Radio. And we come, when we come back, we're going to put this biodynamic conversation in the model of the donut economic theory. Food Freedom Radio, AM 950. Did you know that tooth decay is the most common disease in America? and that over half the American population has some form of periodontal disease? Simply brushing and flossing don't seem to be enough. The abundant bacteria in your mouth thrive off sugar to produce acid and plaque. But what if you could actually prevent bacteria from converting sugar into the harmful byproducts responsible for tooth decay and periodontal disease? Daily Dental Care is a life sciences company that leverages our microbiology expertise to create oral care products that promote strong teeth, healthy gums, and fresh breath. Our lozenges safely and effectively neutralize harmful bacteria and their disease-causing byproducts like acid and plaque without harming health-promoting bacteria that guard your mouth against the destruction that sugar causes. Supplement your daily dental hygiene routine with our convenient dental lozenges. Go to dailydentalcareswithans.com or Amazon to purchase and use promo code DDC95001 at checkout for a 25% discount on your first purchase. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Daily dental care lozenges are not intended to Place daily dental hygiene practices. And the first sentence of his email said, I'd like to stay anonymous. And the second sentence said, I'd like to donate a million dollars to the Global Good Fund. Where should I send the check? I'm Tony Lloyd, and I'm the host of the brand new show, Social Entrepreneur. If you love stories that engage, inform, and inspire, you don't want to miss it. Join us every Monday from 7 to 8 a.m. right here on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Time to fire up Minnesota with a smoking hot grill from Warner Stallion. Finally, it's Grill Expo weekend, which means new gas, charcoal, pellet, and smoker grills are fired up so you can witness their awesomeness. Choose your favorite and buy at Warner Stallion's lowest price of the year. Then get free assembly, free delivery and recycling, 18 months zero interest financing, and three free products from no-name butcher quality meats and seafood. Don't miss the fun. Grill Expo, this weekend at Warner Stallion. Good day to be indigenous. Native Earths Radio presents I'm Awake. Our weekly Native American talk radio show will discuss national and local Native American news and events. Local and national guests will help us keep current with Mother Earth, tribal, and Twin City issues. Native American issues are human issues. We invite all people to walk hand in hand with our struggles, victories, and achievements. Listen Saturdays at 2 p.m. I am awake. With spring, it's car wash season. Thank goodness for the Luther Advantage program from Rudy Luther Toyota. Not only do I save 10 cents off per gallon of gas at holiday station stores, but I also get big discounts on car washes. And with free two years of maintenance with every new Toyota purchased, I can get my oil change and spring service done with the best service and maintenance department at Rudy Luther Toyota. Clear your spring checklist with great service from Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169. 
Try to see it my way Do I have to keep on talking till I can go so welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Headline. Karen Olson-Johnson's not with us today, but in studio with us is two biodynamic farmers, Tall Simchoni, Simchoni, sorry, with Moaning Dew Gardening, and Kelsey Love, Hermalista. Look at this. I'm mispronouncing again, aren't I? She's laughing, so that's good. But, you know, I tease this economic theory because, I mean, it's really fun to say, donut economic theory. And The Guardian calls it a breakthrough alternative to growth economics. And it's by a woman, um, and I may mispronounce her name as well, Kate Raworth. But here's, I mean, it's a very simple idea. And what Kate is, is Kate is a economist. And she was actually saying, I was going around being ashamed of being an economist. (laughs) And it's like, she thinks Adam Smith would be rolling in his grave. Why are we still using his ideas? We need a whole different economic infrastructure. And so what she calls her um, structure is donut economic theory. You can search that term and she will come up right away. And it's very simple. The one side of the donut is the ecological ceiling. So if your actions are acidifying the ocean, if they're adding chemical pollution, if they're putting nitrates in in our water, if they're um, destroying the biodiversity, if they're causing climate change, uh uh-uh, that's not good economics. If they're not meeting the needs of people for housing and income and peace and justice and gender equality and and love, uh uh-uh, that's not not working. So the donut is that sweet spot. Does that make sense to you guys? Do you? It does, yeah. Um, I feel like today's... And the economy is completely based on money. That's all it is. And that's why all of these things that you went over are totally pushed to the side and it doesn't matter, apparently. That's the result well, of that's, it. Well, that's the, that's the dominant thought forms. Right. And so if we can change the dominant thought forms, then maybe we can create something that's more sane and kind. And I have just two things to say about that. One is that um, the first CSA, the CSA model, is not, is not what you're saying, is the, a good economic model. One of the first CS, the first CSA in the Midwest is actually over here in Osceola, Wisconsin, Philadelphia Community Farm, and it was a biodynamic, biodynamically based farm. That's one thing. Two, I used to live in a community of special needs adults called Camp Hill Village in Minnesota, and that's also based on this anthroposophy that we're talking about. And they have this threefold. There's this threefoldness in anthroposophy, and um, when I lived there. If you, everyone has different needs. And so in terms of the economic needs, there's this idea that you want to have kind of brotherliness and sisterliness and listening to other people's needs. So a family with, a, with three kids is going to need more than a single young person. And so they got more. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing for that kind of in the economic. And then the second threefoldness would be like you have the right to your own spirituality, whatever it is that you believe is that's your right to do that. And um, I don't remember the third one. Do you? Yeah. So right now it's a twofoldness, but at some point we'll remember the threefoldness. Yeah, it'll come up. <laughs> it'll come up. Well, and then in, in permaculture is based on ethics. So the ethics of earth care, people care, and fair share. And so what are the ethics of biodynamics? I just thought of the, thir- the third one. <laughs> Good for it. <laughs> and this is actually a really important one. And that is so in this community of special needs, Everyone has different abilities, right? And, but each person is equal, no matter what your ability, and is seen as valued. Yes. And so that was a really important thing. Well, right? and that's, I mean, I think that what's hidden underneath our insanity and our unkindness is these artificial ideas of some people are worth something, some are not. Exactly. And that's just crazy. It's, it's a totally insane way of living. Um, and it's deeply rooted in um, trauma. Yes. Mm-hmm. Deeply written trauma. Okay. So, again, let's, let's get to um, the farm side because people may want to be starting gardening uh, gardens. Can they, can they incorporate some of this in their backyard or, or what they're doing in their windowsill? Absolutely. Come to my class next Sunday <laughs> and you will learn how to put compost preps into your compost pile. And that's actually the foundation is getting these preps into the soil because they will bring forces into the soil that you don't find in organic gardening. You find in biodynamic gardening because biodynamic works with forces in enlivening the soil. And I think it'll help sensitize you as well. Like when you go through this process and you spend time and intention creating this compost and working with it, you're going to walk away and 
part of that will be with you, and you may see things differently or feel things differently in your garden or your windowsill or your farm or whatever it may be. It's just that thought will be with you. That's great. That's so. Um, so the other thing, getting back to this donut economic theory that I'm, I'm impressed with both of you, is that both of you are making a living in a way that's aligned. So talk about your businesses. Well, um, I am a biodynamic farmer. Um, that's what I was trained. I studied to do this in England at an anthroposophical college. Um, a very unique experience. Well, so tell us a little bit more about that. Um, yeah, so I, I was really looking for something that aligned with my values, and I really felt strongly about doing something that was necessary and we all need to eat. Um, and I was interested in doing something that didn't hurt the earth and the environment. And so biodynamic agriculture was obviously the, the way to go. And um, I couldn't find anything like that here in the States, not a full-time program. So I left and I went there for two years and I got my degree in biodynamic um, agriculture and horticulture. And I didn't know anything about it when I went, but it just felt right. And then when I got there, everything kind of made sense and I just took it all in. So um, I brought all that knowledge back with me here to the States and um, and I unfortunately was only able to farm part-time. But this past fall, I bought land. So I'm going to be Whoa. farming full-time this full-time year. Full-time farmer. terribly excited. Wow. So you can imagine how this spring is just dragging on. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah this spring is been... Okay, so, um, so tell us about your uh, farm business. Yep, so I grow heirloom uh, vegetables. I grow all the weird stuff. I collected a lot of seeds when I was over in Europe. And people kind of find out oh, you save seeds. So they just give me seeds, and it's really exciting to kind of grow other people's, you know, heritage out. It's terribly exciting. Um, so that's what I do. And I also, I'm a beekeeper. I live with bees, I should say. I don't keep them. Um, and I also make biodynamic beehives, which are so beautiful. If you've never seen a sun hive, stop what you're doing and Google it. Okay, go on your website because <laughs> you're actually selling this. So, I do, and, yep. And we I might... sell the hives and I also teach workshops on how to make them. So my website's heirloomista.com. Spell that? H-E-I-R-L-O-O-M-I-S-T-A, heirloomista.com. So I'm just very interested in the heritage of things. Yeah. Beautiful. And tall. what's your story? Can I just say two things about what she said? One is Please. that the seed saving is another Huge. way to create a farm organism, and it's a really important part of creating that. And two, the bees, um, those round hives are one of the ways that we can help save the honeybee. Huge. I mean, bees do not like a square space. That's not organic or natural for them. Yeah, in what in nature is square? Nothing. <laughs> what in nature is square? I like that question. <laughs> so for me, I've been in practicing biodynamics since 2000, and I've been on several farms, and I lived at this Camp Hill village that I was telling you about for six years being the, the gardener there, and I made a living there because it was a community that supports you. So I didn't have to worry about money. They just provided what you needed. Ah, oh, community that supports you. That'd be kind of nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> so you're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. We're going to be taking a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our conversation on biodynamic farming. Time for your calls, 952-946-6205. Tap, taste, and treasure at Vinaigrette, where we have some warm seasonal recipes all ready to create dynamite meals. Our fig balsamic vinegar pairs perfectly with roasted Brussels sprouts or baked brie. And sweet potatoes are always a winner, but never more than when they're roasted with a drizzle of vinaigrette cinnamon or orange-fused extra virgin olive oil on top. Come in today for more custom-crafted food and cocktail recipes at Vinaigrette, 50th and Xerxes in Minneapolis, and 287 Water Street in downtown Excelsior. Online at vinaigrettemn.com. Saturdays at 1 p.m., you have a chance at a fresh start, a new beginning. Hi, everybody. This is Freddie Bell, host of New Beginnings. Our show features the concerns of America's 78 million baby boomers in employment, finance, health and nutrition, spirituality, and even entertainment. Every day is a chance for a fresh start. Join us Saturdays at 1 p.m. for New Beginnings with Freddie Bell on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. 
This spring, the early bird gets more than the worm. They'll also get triple savings from standard heating and air conditioning. That's right, you can triple your savings in April when you purchase a new furnace and air conditioner. Go for the HVAC hat trick by saving up to $900 three times. Take advantage of utility rebates, manufacturer rebates, and April savings. April is the only month Standard Heating is offering the HVAC hat trick triple savings, so don't wait. Details at standardheatingdeals.com. Some restrictions apply. Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, the comfort you deserve. This is Ken Hagland of Minnesota Hospice, inviting you to listen to our brand new show airing on AM 950 on Saturdays from noon to one. The Minnesota Hospice Show looks forward to discussing how we honor life and to exploring the physical, spiritual, mental, and emotional issues we experience throughout all stages of life. Learn how hospice is the new face of hope and how it's your benefit, your choice. Join us Saturdays at noon and check us out online at minnesotahospice.com. The Spring St. Paul Art Crawl, presented by the St. Paul Art Collective, will be running April 27th, 28th, and 29th. This is a must-do experience that you will love. Over the weekend, you'll have the chance to explore a wide variety of art while touring through local artist studios, lofts, and galleries, hosting over 350 artists. Up for purchase will be paintings, photography, pottery, sculpture, fiber arts, and more. The Art Crawl sprawls over 34 locations. Join the Art Crawl and discover outstanding art for you to own. When you buy local art, you're providing to artists so that they may continue to create the art we love. The Metro Transit is supporting the local art community with free transit passes. Download your pass to ride buses and light rail for free during the Art Crawl. Be sure to get details at thesaintpaulartcrawl.org. That's thesaintpaulartcrawl.org. With your AM950 weather, this is Eric Nelson. Today will be mostly sunny with a high near 56. Tonight, mostly clear with a low around 34. Sunday, mostly sunny with a high near 60. And Sunday night, partly cloudy with a low around 39. Monday, a high of 66 and a low of 44. One myth about solar is that it's too expensive and you need a lot of money down. Truth, solar is available for little or no money down. And if you have a great site for your solar, it might even put money away on a monthly basis. So visit allenergysolar.com and you can start saving today. So welcome back to Food Freedom Radio, where we plant the seeds of change. I'm Laura Headline. Karen Olson Johnson is not with us today. In studio with us is two, or are two, biodynamic farmers, uh, Tal Simachoni um, with Morning, Morning Dew Gardening, and Kelsey Love uh, with Hermel... Hirolumista. Hirolumista. <laughs> and we had a listener uh, recommend the book, What's Making Our Children Sick? How Industrial Food is Causing an Epidemic of Chronic Illness and What Parents and Doctors Can Do About It. The statistics are frightening, and, and we know this. One in 13 kids now have food allergies. One in 10 kids have Crohn's disease. One in five are obese. Irritable bowel syndrome, syndrome, 6 to 24% of kids, increase in migraines, juvenile diabetes. Is this related to our food? Yeah, that glyphosate is pretty tough stuff. So you think if we poison the life, then, then maybe we're poisoning ourselves? Absolutely. Well, I thought that was, I think that life, I, I don't know if you're all that scientific, Kelsey. <laughs> So one of the things in biodynamics is that makes it different than, for sure, conventional agriculture is that in conventional agriculture, when you're putting in these pesticides and chemicals in the soil, the soil is dead. There's no, there's no life. And if you want the plant to grow out of a dead soil, well, you're going to get something, right? Right. In biodynamics, um, and in a certain extent, or in organic too, just by putting compost in your soil, you're already enlivening it. But in biodynamics, you're going even further by bringing in forces from the cosmos that are healing forces that will help rejuvenate the, the soil. And it's been really depleted over the years. It really has. And it, it almost feels like a Walking Dead op, uh, episode with the zombie soil and the zombie culture and us trying to be the living ones and how we survive in this type of system. Right. And I want to say, too, that in the you want to also look, if you look historically, the soil wasn't always depleted. In fact, you know, agriculture started 10,000 years ago, and the soil was pretty good. And then in the earlier types of, um, what do you call it, Rot crop rotations, they, they may, have, may have gotten low yields, but the fertility stayed, stayed the same. And it wasn't until the 
you know, kind of chemical revolution. Right. An industrial revolution. Industrial revolution, thank you, that too. Um, <laughs> that the soil started getting depleted, and we need something more than what we're doing. Well, you mentioned ancient cultures. Now, Charles C. Mann has documented that in um, parts of uh, parts of the world, cultures, indigenous cultures, had 600 different types of potatoes they were growing in their area, and they were trading. And, and I mean, there was a lot of wisdom unlocked in that. So can we feed the world, though, with the permaculture or the uh, biodynamic approach to farming? Absolutely. I don't really? think we have a choice, personally. Yeah. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> I think we got here through small farms and sustainable agriculture. It's only taken a turn within the last 100 years, 80 years. So we there the wisdom is out there. There's people that still know it. There's people that are practicing sustainable agriculture, and I think it's foolish to think that we can farm thousands of acres with one person. It's like, how much corn can you eat? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Well... <laughs> and how few people are needed on those farms. And, you know, and so we, let's talk a little bit about the jobs because part of part of it is what we also need to transform is the economy. Um, and so let's talk about how you guys are making a living. Tell, how, how do you support yourself and how can we support you and how do we create a living economy? Well, like I was saying before, I lived at this Camp Hill village, which was sustaining me. And then I moved to the cities and I looked into trying to make a living growing food. And the reality for me, I didn't have enough kind of capital to make it happen. And farmers don't get, or gardeners don't get very much because our food prices are so low. And right. they don't it's really not reflect. the true cost of farming. Yes. So I started getting into um, sustainable landscaping. And that's what I do, morning dew gardening. Aside from putting edible gardens in your yard, if that's what you want, uh, does... I getting more and more into natives and actually got my certificate to be a master water steward last year, which is a way to manage your stormwater runoff because we really have to protect our water. So putting in a rain garden. In putting in a rain garden. So putting in rain gardens and but also diverting your downspout so they don't go right into the street but into your lawn. Uh, changing your lawn to something else like a turf alternative. For example, there's a no mower uh, low-mow grasses that are fescues instead of the Kentucky bluegrass that take a lot less water and are more resilient. And Or you can put in a bee lawn or change, you know, there's areas in your yard that you do not need to have lawn, and that can be perennial natives. That's great. And, and you can help people with that transformation in their personal yard. Yes. And also uh, Metro Blooms and Blue Thumb are having some classes right now that people probably should know about. They're called Resilient Yard workshops that you can just look on online to learn about that. I think there's a huge opportunity to make um, change for the, for the environment through landscaping. I was a landscaper for eight years, and I love the company I worked for. Um, we were organic kind of by default. It wasn't something we really advertised. But to, to be in that industry and see the waste and the chemical use is huge, like where our plants come from and how we mow our lawn or spray this stuff on it. It came to the point where I had really good rapport with my clients. So if they sprayed, uh, what is that, green, true green or whatever, it's awful. You should oh, we use a billion pounds of pesticides. I went to the National Pesticide Conference. I mean, it is, yeah. they know a lot of these chemicals cause brain damage. And I was in a high school student, with high school students, and I said to them, if your product caused kids' brain damage, would you sell it? It doesn't matter. They still do it. <laughs> I had but to then... take a certification course to the USDA <laughs> to apply organic fertilizer. And I was there with all these green turf people. And basically, if you paid attention, you learned that you needed to wear the equivalent of like a hazmat suit to spray these chemicals. And these dudes are out there like spraying, wearing like glasses and like, like you're supposed to be covered. And so it came to the point where one of my clients had this, this um, done and I just grabbed all of my, my crew and I'm like, we're leaving. We're not going to be here. And Wonderful. I, I, it was huge kind of because people are paying you top dollar to make their garden look perfect. And I'm like, no, like my health and my crew's health is far more important than your green grass. And there's a way to have that conversation. And like I said, we have 
really good rapport with these clients. And so to be able to um, make it to a point where you could educate them, you know, and I'm like, well, they put stickers on your lawn that says, like, don't put your dog or your kid out here. Like, I am literally, like, on my hands and knees, like, weeding your garden. Like, come on. Like, <laughs> this is crazy. And so to think about that industry is so huge, and it's completely not on people's radar. So what he's talking about of having, you know, a, a more sustainable landscaping is huge. And if people are interested in making a change, like, go to your natives because those plants are coming from local nurseries that are not being drenched to cross state lines, Yeah, which is another thing people and don't And be very realize. conscious about where you buy your products because yeah. most of the products are actually dipped in chemicals. Yeah, they. yep, it's called a drench. So they need to do it legally in order to cross state lines to make sure they don't have cooties. <laughs> so uh, uh, there's so many directions I want to go, so I have to choose one. Where would but, you like well, to go? Just Keep that, going. <laughs> you know, biodynamics, again, can help with also not just your vegetables, but also your, your property, your ornamentals. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, ideally in biodynamics, you're putting in the forces to grow food that you can eat, and then you, you're talking about all these health things. That it then it helps your body and your children's bodies to think and learn and develop and you know be more resilient. Right. Um, so if you already have a vegetable garden or and if, if you're interested in biodynamics, again come to my class and we can learn how to make compost, learn how to stir the horn manure, which and then you can put some on your land and then you'll already have some little step on your property that will help you negate what we're talking about where the soil will be more enlivened and... and okay, so I want to make sure I reach out to people who uh, may not have a lawn. And one of the best plants I found is a bay tree, a bay leaves, because I get my bay leaves, and that plant has been growing very well. I get tons of food. I can just pull one leaf from a, my indoor bay leaf and make my soups, which I cook a lot with. So I get tons and tons of usage from my bay plant. And so there's a lot of indoor things people can do to um, connect with um, uh, living things and include living things in the food they eat. Now, in my yard, I practice permaculture. And so that means I've got a blueberry press, choke cherries, peach trees, apple trees, plum trees, uh, chestnuts, uh, comfrey. And we've just been slowly going at that for a long time. What's the difference between permaculture and biodynamics? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Which you studied back. We talked about it over break. Uh, the difference between permaculture and um, biodynamics, I feel like there's a lot of crossover. Um, so there's a lot of similarities. But for me, I'm going to bring it back to another thing we talked about over break is one of the big things in biodynamics that I feel sets it apart from anything else is um, one of the things Rudolf Steiner talked about was the fact that there's never spirit without matter or matter without spirit. So things are alive. Um, they have different life forces in them. They have different energies, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I feel like that's something that is acknowledged and accepted and practiced in biodynamics, whereas um, maybe in permaculture or other types of uh, agriculture, horticulture, whatever it may be, your, things are looked at as a material object. And then end of story. Um, and for me, it makes more sense to think that there's a life force and an intention and a place for everything. That's nice. We have a caller right now. Good morning, Lynette from Chaska. You want to know where to learn more? Good yes, morning. I do. Every year I go through this. I always call <laughs> Laura and Karen and complain about I live in an apartment and, um, you know, they, they're going to be starting to spray the chemicals here pretty soon. Okay, Is there I'm gonna, a go-to person that I can go to that I can call the manager of the place and go, okay, here's an organization? Because they act like, well, well, this is what people do, and, you know, what are you talking about? Where can I go so I can have a go-to person, a place that I can get this process started? Because every year we go through this. So you're talking about the grounds of the apartment complex are just being... Yes, and okay. they just saturate it, and it just reeks, and I see dead right. so walking by. My, my suggestion is to do some research, find a place that aligns with what you're thinking, and then present it to your management. People aren't going to go do the research. But if you say, hey, here's a green company, um, yeah. and I'm right. completely unfamiliar with the western suburbs, forgive me, um, but I feel like that's a, a solid approach, and you might have great success with it, is find something that works and talk to them about it and, and keep talking to them about it and maybe share with your neighbors because – 
If you really think about it, people don't want that stuff, but I think it's a convenience issue. They don't know what else to do because they haven't looked into it. Right. Well, it's also a cultural norm issue. Right. I mean, it's it's yeah. really hard to change. Um, so mm-hmm. um, there are some great organic companies um, uh, that do great lawn care. Well, Organic yeah. Bob is one of them. Organic Love? Organic Bob. Bob. OrganicBob.com does organic lawn care, and they don't use chemicals at all. Organic Bob, B-O-B? Yes. Okay. All right. I'm writing it down. And also make sure that when these people are coming and spraying that there's no windows open or, you know, because then you can report them and say, these people are not applying this correctly. So thank you, Lynette. We're going to need to take a break. And uh, yeah, and... So how do we change? I, I don't. I like to just boycott the economy, but how do we girlcott the economy? And one of the ideas I had a long time ago was, can we get bee-friendly apartments so we can get the apartment owners, like uh, uh, Green Rock Radio did, um, get the apartment owners together to do bee-friendly landscapes and only rent from them. <laughs> <laughs> Seward Co-op, serving the community for nearly 45 years, invites you to shop their two convenient locations, both offering the strong commitment to local producers and healthy foods you've come to expect. Seward focuses on locally grown and raised products, fair trade, and environmental sustainability. Shop their selection of meats, artisan cheeses, and house-made baked goods. Find Seward at 2823 East Franklin Avenue or the Friendship Store on 38th Street and 3rd Avenue in Minneapolis. More at seward.coo. Six years ago, Dr. Emily Stein was confronted with a life-changing situation. Her grandmother developed rheumatoid arthritis and was unable to maintain her own dental hygiene. Unfortunately, her assisted living facility didn't have the resources to help her maintain her dental health either. Once her dental health deteriorated, her overall health deteriorated too. It wasn't long until she had multiple tooth extractions and a severe stroke. That's when Emily put her Stanford background in microbiology and immunology to work. She created an oral care lozenge, or Smart Mint, that manages oral bacteria to promote strong teeth, healthy gums, and fresh breath. Daily Dental Care is a life sciences company dedicated to addressing public health by targeting the root cause of dental disease. Because let's face it, we all could use a little extra help supplementing our daily dental care routine. Visit dailydentalcareswithans.com or go to Amazon to purchase our lozenges and use promo code DDC95502 for a 25% discount on your first purchase. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Daily dental care lozenges are not intended to replace daily dental hygiene practices. Kevin Ross here, inviting you to our brand new store called Ambibulous. What does Ambibulous mean? It means one who enjoys alcoholic beverages of all sorts. Ambibulous is a Minnesota maker's market. Unlike traditional liquor stores, we feature only craft beer, wine, and spirits made here in Minnesota. We are ready to guide your selections, where you can build your own four or six packs. Find us at 949 Hennepin Avenue East in Northeast Minneapolis or online at ambibulousmn.com. Hello, this is Ellen Krug from Hidden Edges Radio. When I'm not on the radio, I'm standing in front of audiences training about diversity and inclusion and on how to be welcoming to others who are different from us. More than ever, employers and organizations need professional diversity and inclusion training. I can offer that training through my company, Human Inspiration Works, LLC. I'd love to make your workplace or organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. Hi, I'm Dr. Scott Shamblot from Shamblot Family Dentistry. We're the fear-free, get-you-out-of-pain-now dental office. And I'm Rachel Shamblot. Did you know a lot of people are afraid of the dentist? You don't need to be afraid of my dad. He makes going to the dentist comfortable and even fun. We don't care if you're a dental regular or haven't seen a dentist in years. We just want to make you comfortable and get you out of pain. If you don't see my dad, please see another dentist. Take care of your teeth because they're the only ones you get. Call 1-800-FIX-MY-TEETH or visit fixmyteeth.us. So welcome back to Food Freedom Radio, where we plant the seeds of change. Karen Olson Johnson's not with us today, but in studio, two biodynamic farmers. We've had a fun conversation about biodynamic farming and want to talk about some events over this Earth Day weekend. So today is Saturday. Head to Seward Co-op. They've got a great CSA fair for the past 17 years. They've been they've been doing this. The regional farmers face to face. It's all part of the donut. Economic theory. <laughs> Eat your donuts. Eat your donuts. Okay, do so you guys want to try to say what the donut economic theory is? Or should I try it in case, case people are, I should try it again. So actually, it comes from this woman, and, and people can search the term because I absolutely love it. She is an economist. 
And she said Adam Smith would be really mad with what they're doing, with the, the, the way we think about the economy. Um, the Guardian newspaper called her thinking a breakthrough alternative to growth the growth economic model. And so it basically says, hey, we have a ceiling. We have an ecological ceiling. We can't go beyond that. We cannot change the planet for future generations. And it has a social foundation. We've got to meet the needs of all people, everyone. we got to meet needs. That's a functioning economy, a sane kind economy. Let's bring this into the biodynamic because you, you guys are doing this. You, you, you have the heart of biodynamics is that the fertility is in the soil. It's not part of the materials we take. It's not, an, it's not the artificial manure. I think people need to, this is my advice anyway, people need to change the way they think in terms of just seeing the world as a physical, how much nitrogen, potassium, you know, phosphorus I need but really move beyond that and start doing something else which I'm going to call listening. Listening to the earth. Listening. And uh, there's a book, I don't know if you ever read, Neither Wolf Nor Dog. No, I haven't. By Kent Nurberg. It talks, it's this uh, man was called to connect with this Native American man. And it's based on a true story. And in the, the Native American man talks about, he's a Minnesota, I think he's Dakota, um, how in their, in his culture, they have a relationship with the earth which is listening based and they learn you know they can look at the sky or say one each person has a gift and one person could look at the sky and see know what the weather is or look at a plant and know what that plant is doing and so there's this idea that we of observation and listening versus like let's do all these scientific experiments and i i take that to the really simple word that has appeared in all sorts of traditions and that's humility Mm-hmm. You know, sure. we've, we're sort of born with this idea of, hey, we're top dog. Oh! <laughs> and, and that's, I mean, that's, that's a, a very abusive type of thought form. Right. I think we're part of, part of the system. We, not are, we aren't the system. I think we all have a place and a skill, and we need to use that, what we're here for. So, so we're down to five minutes. What else would you guys like to talk about bio in terms of biodynamic agriculture? What, what are we missing? I don't know. I do know that there's a biodynamic, I think it's an international wine expo in California, unfortunately. But that's new this year, and I'm terribly excited because I want to go to it next year. It means you get to go taste all these different biodynamic wines, and there's a ton of great biodynamic vineyards on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. If you ever get a chance to go out near Sonoma County, it's a great place to see biodynamic farms in all their glory. <laughs> well, okay, and, and so it's you can't just slap that label on. There's a, uh, there, it's hard to it's be It's hard. Abide. It's, it's hard. hard to be certified. Now, are you certified? No, okay. I'm not certified. Um, and I'm more familiar with the certification process in the UK. As part of my program, I had to know the ins and outs of that, and that also changes every year, and that was like six years ago. Um, so I was looking into it when I came here, and it's, it's quite extensive to become. And a huge part of it is it's hard to be a small biodynamic farmer to be certified because you need to generate all of your, I think it's 50% here in the States, 50% of your um, fertility needs to come not only from your farm, but it needs to have to come from an animal. It's really tough. Um, yeah. If people want to learn more about biodynamics, you can also go to the biodynamic website, which is biodynamics.com. And there's lots of different resources there that you can learn about it. And again, they can go to your event on composting next Sunday. Next Sunday, uh, go to morningdewgardening.com. Let's talk about what's behind that name, because that was actually kind of <laughs> neat. T- tell us of the story of your name. So in Hebrew, my name would be pronounced Tal Simchoni. Tal in Hebrew means morning dew. And Simchoni comes from the root Simcha, which means happiness. So I am happiness, morning dew happiness. That's like nice. That. And your love, Kelsey Love. love. <laughs> <laughs> We're all just such positive people here this morning. <laughs> so tell us again about your business and how people can connect with you. Yeah, I have a website, heirloomista.com, and I sell all kinds of goods on there. Um, I really like making uh, 
products from my beeswax and different herbal infusions, and that's something I like to do. And I want to share that with you. So check out my website. Um, and also keep an eye out for an open farm day this summer. Um, I want to have you all out probably later in the season <laughs> rather uh, than earlier with we, this crazy spring. The crazy spring. And so how do you feel like the crazy spring is going to affect uh, food production this year? We're all going to be a little bit behind. <laughs> yeah. Because I heard someone say that it actually might be really good because the soil is going to be so moist. I keep saying It'll, big fall harvest. Big <laughs> fall harvest. <laughs> It'll be hard to get into the yep. – to do any type of – Muddy. Yeah, very it's muddy. Be muddy. Yep. Yeah, that's true. Hope for sandy soil. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then, of course, on Sunday is Earth Day. Yay. And uh, lots and lots of wonderful Earth Day events going on. Um, Tamarack Nature Center, Como Zoo, Eastman Nature Center, Coon Rapids, Fort Snelling Park. Um, in, uh, and, and then, um, so there, there's a ton of um, Earth Day events going on. Um, and also... Um, Next week, we're going to be talking with Francis from the Native American Garden. So that's going to tie in really well with this conversation. And he actually has an event at um, Silver Lake a Park that's uh, free and open to the public. That's on the 23rd. That's Monday the 23rd. He's the coordinator of the Native American Medicine Gardens. And he's going to discuss how indigenous cultural practices help to create healthy soils, which lead to healthy environments. Um, discover how each of us can heal our environments with microbes, water, soil, and plants. So there's a lot of similarities and a lot of differences, and that's okay, right? That's great. <laughs> Diversity is strength. Diversity is strength. Down to our last minute. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. What else are we going to say about all this? You know, it is so complex, and yet where is, you know, the, the fun thing about gardening is the simplicity and the complexity, right? Absolutely. I think it's fascinating. I think going back to the listening, it's, I think it's really hard for people in this day and age to sit and listen and not be distracted with devices or schedules or this, that, or the other. But if you can hang out in your garden for even like 10 minutes and just listen and just be, it'll transform you. Listen and be. Yeah, I think that's... Be, yeah. Be. be and listen yeah. to the bees. <laughs> I, I wish we had time to say, let's put a Let It Be on by John Lennon, but I know that would probably make Eric go, I can't get Let It Be on by John Lennon in 12 seconds. But this has been Food Freedom Radio on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Have an awesome Earth Day weekend. Um, CSA uh, Fair at Outside Seward Co-op on Saturday. Um, check it out. Also, starting at 2 o'clock, they got a $10 special, hamburger fries and a beer. Seward Co-op Creamery Cafe. We were listening to AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota.